Well, good morning, everyone. You can open up in your Bibles to the book of Colossians. We'll continue our study of the book of Colossians in chapter 2. We will be reading verses 8 through 19 and focusing on verses 11 and 12 this morning. Now, last week, as you remember, we talked about what captivates our hearts and how the false teachers in Colossae were trying to captivate hearts through human traditions and through pagan spirits. But Paul says that we are to be captivated by Christ alone, the God-man, the one who is fully God and fully man in one person, that He should be the center of our affections. Last week, the focus was more outward on our view of Christ coming and captivating our hearts. But now, as we go into verses 11 and 12, the focus changes to our hearts, our inward hearts and what is going on inside the human person. And so we will turn our attention to God's holy word as it is recorded for us in Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 8, going through verse 19. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in Him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In Him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised Him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and worship of angels going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. This is God's holy word. Let us pray. Blessed you are, Lord, great God. Everlasting, sovereign, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. O God, whom we long to know. O burning fire within our souls. Grant to us your Holy Spirit. That in knowing your word, we might know your presence. That in following your ways, we might live in your light. And we pray this all through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.
Can a leopard change his spots? This is a question posed to God's people in Jeremiah 13. Can a leopard change his spots? Well, of course not. A leopard's very nature is to have spots. A leopard's very being is who has spots. There's nothing that he can do to change that. There is no resource within a leopard that can undo who he is. And then the Lord says, well, even as a leopard cannot change his spots, so too can you not do good who are accustomed to doing evil. You see, there is nothing that a sinful man can do to change the fact That he is a sinner by nature. We are all born with a heart that is sinful. There is not one in a million who is innocent among us. David says that we were brought forth in iniquity. Paul says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And later in the book of Jeremiah we read that the heart is deceitful above all things. And desperately sick. When we come to the Word of God, we are faced with the reality that no one is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. So what are we to do? If our hearts are sinful, how do we change them? How do we deal with a heart that does not just choose to sin, but is the source of sin? How can this leopard change its spots? Well, one approach that was being offered to the church in Colossae is that we rein in the sinful heart through constraints, through the law. If you want to stop coveting, then tell yourself, stop coveting. Make a rule. No more looking at what other people have. No desiring what isn't yours. This seems to make sense, right? Chain that sinful heart of yours down. You see that someone has a better house than you? Well, what do you do to stop coveting it? Well, don't look at it, right? Stop watching HGTV all the time. (laughs) Then you'll stop coveting those new shaker cabinets and granite countertops. If you don't know what the Joneses have, you won't have to feel like you have to keep up with them. Make a rule. But here's the problem. The law doesn't change the heart. When the command not to covet is given, it doesn't produce life. It produces death. Paul explains in Romans 7, the very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me. So where do we go to see sin overcome? How do we deal with the sin nature that we all have? How can this leopard change his spots? In our passage for this morning, the Apostle Paul tells us that we do not overcome our sin through the law, But rather, the only way for us to be free from sin is through circumcision. That is right. 
to overcome the sin nature, circumcision is required. Now, this is a bit of a provocative statement, isn't it? To say that Paul is teaching that we overcome sin through circumcision. Doesn't Paul argue that circumcision counts for nothing in the book of Galatians? Isn't it Paul who argues so passionately against the circumcision party? Right? Didn't the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15 make it clear that circumcision is not required? Well, of course, physical circumcision is no longer required. But Paul says in verse 11, if you'd look down at your text, in him also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. In the Old Covenant, circumcision was a sign of entrance into the covenant family. The Lord had chosen Abraham to be the father of a new nation, a new people who would belong to the Lord. And the sign of circumcision acted to show forth that the sin nature had been cut off. And through the shedding of blood, there was cleansing to all who came into this new family. Yet, as we have noted, physical circumcision no longer is required in the new, te- in the new covenant. However, the spiritual principle still applied. To have the sin nature, that is what Paul calls the body of flesh, cut off, we must receive the circumcision of Christ. The spiritual nature of this circumcision is made clear by the phrase, made without hands. The outward circumcision of the flesh was a sign and a seal of the inner circumcision that was required to be free from sin. And it is God who performs this circumcision of the heart. This is what we read in Deuteronomy 30. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. You see, to be free from the body of the flesh that is the sin nature, circumcision is still required. That is the circumcision made without hands. The circumcision of the heart that is accomplished by Christ Jesus. You see, there is something severely wrong with the human heart. And unless the sin nature is removed by heart circumcision, you will continue to be enslaved to sin. You see, this is why we don't walk cats on leashes. Right? Because it's just not in their nature to be led around. They are not interested in going for a hike down the trail. You put that leash on them and they begin to freak out. They thrash their head around and they pull against it. Because it's not in their nature. A dog, on the other hand, loves his leash. He loves to go for a walk. Why? Because that is his nature, is who he is as a dog. And when it comes to the human heart, it is our nature to sin. 
The whole human person, our wills, our emotion, our minds, everything that makes up who we are has been corrupted by sin. And so unless our nature changes, there is no point in trying to leash us up to the law. We will resist it the whole way. We must first receive the circumcision of Christ, the circumcision made without hands, the circumcision that cuts away the body of the flesh. If we would be free from our sin, then our sin nature must die in the circumcision of Christ. Now, in our passage, we see an interesting parallel between circumcision and baptism. If you would look down at your Bible starting in the middle of verse 11 and then into verse 12. There Paul says, By putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him. Paul now develops this idea of the circumcision of Christ by connecting it to baptism. You see, just as circumcision was a sign of entering into the covenant family of Abraham through the death of the old sin nature, so too is baptism a sign of entering the covenant family through dying and rising with Christ. Baptism is the circumcision of Christ. And through the waters of baptism, it is shown that you have been united to Christ in His death and in His resurrection. Circumcision is still required. To be free from the sin nature, you must die to this world through Christ. You must have that sin nature killed off. And to be free from sin, you must rise to new life, walking as a new creation by the power of of the Spirit of God. Yet, baptism is not a mere replacement of circumcision. It's a fulfillment of circumcision. It is the circumcision of Christ. The circumcision that is accomplished by Christ. In the Old Covenant, circumcision was a sign of being united with Israel. In the New Covenant, baptism is a sign of being united to Christ, the true Israel. In the Old Covenant, circumcision showed forth dying to the sin nature. In the New, baptism shows forth not just dying in Christ, but also rising with Him to new life. In the Old Covenant, circumcision was given to every male child born of the line of Abraham. But in the New Covenant, baptism is given to male and female, to Jew and to Greek. And as an aside... As those who believe in covenant baptism, we must again emphasize that baptism as the fulfillment of circumcision is not taken away from our infant children. Christ's fulfillment of circumcision doesn't narrow the scope of those who are included in the covenant community. It broadens the scope. It brings more in. If God was so gracious to include the infants of Israel in the covenant through circumcision, would He remove this grace from the infants of Christians and exclude them as orphans? No. Circumcision is required. 
but not the old circumcision that is made with human hands, but the circumcision of Christ, the circumcision made without hands, the circumcision that cuts away the old sin nature in the death of Christ and raises us to new spiritual life in the resurrection of Christ. So to be free from the sin nature, circumcision is required. But is the circumcision accomplished by Christ dying on the cross and rising from the dead? It is the circumcision that is fulfilled in the new covenant sign of baptism. If you would be free from sin, you must receive the baptism of Christ. Now, at this point, you might object. You might say something, well, like this, well... This is also passive, right? Infants receiving covenant signs, circumcision made without hands, Christ dying and rising. But if I am still struggling with sin, how do I overcome it? How do I defeat sin? How do I change my spots? How do I get that cat on a leash? So, for example, maybe you're struggling with anger. You want to be free of it, but it just keeps pouring out of you. You don't want to blow up at your kids, but they push you too far and you blow up. You don't want to speak harshly with your spouse, but they push your buttons. You know you shouldn't get so upset with your brother or your sister, but they just don't give you your space. You don't want to fume at your parents or your teachers or your boss or your pastor. But their leadership style just frustrates you so badly. And instead of loving your neighbor as yourself, your heart just continues to produce all sorts of evil and anger and hatred towards them. And you think, how can I be free of this anger? How can I be set free? What are we to do? Let's set up some rules. Let's outline some routines that will keep us in line. Do we overcome sin by saying to ourselves, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch? By saying, just stop being angry. Do we just paint over the spots and make the leopard all one color? Do we just put that darn cat on a leash and drag it down the sidewalk as it thrashes its head back and forth? We can't do this. For Paul says in verse 23, later on in chapter 2, you can look there if you would like. These, talking about these laws, indeed have an appearance of wisdom. It looks like that will work in promoting self-made religion and aestheticism and severity to the body. But they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. It looks like it will work, but it won't. So what do we do to overcome the sin in our lives? Look at what Paul says in verse 12. Having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him. Now here's the key. Through faith in the powerful working of God. Who raised Him from the dead. How do we die to sin? 
through faith in the work of God. It is God who will change our hearts. It is God who raised Christ from the dead. And it is God who will circumcise our hearts and give us new life in Christ. This is the key. God is the one who is working. And our part is to have faith in His work. Ezekiel 36. The Lord God says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. It is God who changes us. Therefore, we must trust in God to overcome sin within us. So do you trust God to change you? Do you have faith that Christ died to sin? Do you have faith that God raised Him from the dead? Do you believe that by His death and resurrection, you have died to the flesh and you are now alive in the Spirit? Do you trust God to change your heart? The way that we overcome sin is not through the precepts of the law, but by the power of God in the Gospel of Jesus Christ. So again, do you trust God to change you? Do you trust Him to take your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh? Do you trust Him to give you His Spirit so that you will walk in His ways? Do you trust that because Christ has died, that you have died? And that because Christ has risen to new life, you too have been risen as a new creation free from the domain of sin? And I wonder, do you have faith that God will do this for others as well? Do you parent in such a way that you point your kids to the gospel or to the law? Do you trust God to change their behavior by first changing their hearts? Do you have faith in God that He will sanctify your spouse? Or do you seek to control your spouse through intimidation or through manipulation, believing that you are the one who will change their hearts? As leaders in the church, do you trust God to sanctify this congregation? Do you have faith that the resurrection of Christ is powerful enough to circumcise the hearts of the people of Rivermont? As we counsel one another, are we trying to find the right regulations that will keep us in line? Or are we continually going to the cross, repenting of our sins and trusting in the power of the gospel to change us? To be set free from sin, circumcision is required. But it is the circumcision that's made without hands. The circumcision accomplished by God through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So man is in quite a predicament. The power of sin has infected and affected every aspect of our being. That means that there is no resource within us that can choose to obey God. The depravity of sin has totally infected us. Therefore, there's no resources to be changed within us. 
as Paul says in verse 13, if we go just one verse down, you were dead, dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. The leopard cannot change his spots. The cat won't walk on a leash. An apple tree is never going to produce oranges. If you plant a potato, you're not going to get a carrot back. And if you have a heart that is sinful by nature, you will continually produce sin. Everyone knows that if you want to get rid of weeds in your garden, you don't give them miracle grow. Why? Well, miracle Grow is good, yeah. But if you want to get rid of the weed, you don't want to cause it to increase by giving it food. So you get rid of the weed by killing it. You spray Roundup on that weed. Or you dig it up by its roots and you throw it in the trash heap. But if you try to fight sin by the power of the law, all you're doing is putting miracle Grow on a weed. For until the sinful nature is killed, the law just makes sin increase. It sees the law. It seizes an opportunity and sins even more. And instead of growing in holiness, you just grow in wickedness. Not because the law is bad, but rather because the sinful nature is a weed. And the only way you get rid of a weed is by killing it. So to walk in holiness, circumcision is required. The sin nature must be killed off. For through faith in the work of God and the death and resurrection of Christ, the body of the flesh, that is the sin nature, is cut away and we are raised to new life. So each day we must fight this old nature. We must put it to death through trusting that the God who raised Christ from the dead will also raise us to new life. And by the circumcision of Christ, He will cause us to walk in His ways. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us go now to the Lord, calling out to Him to apply His Word to our hearts. Oh God, we pray, let your gospel come to us not only in word, but in power. For we know the circumcision that is required is one that is done without human hands, but one that you alone can do. So we pray, O Holy Spirit, that these words would cut away the sinful nature, and cause us to walk in Your ways the rest of our lives. May we abound in the works of faith, the labors of love, and the patience of hope that we may finally be made partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. And we pray this all through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.